welcome, welcome, welcome. What's going on, everybody? Welcome into the Bell Ringer podcast hosted by Sixers Wire of USA Today Sports Media Group. I'm your host, the editor of the Sixers Wire site, Kai Carlin. Uh, today, I've got my semi-co-host. He's, he's on pretty much like every couple of episodes. My guy, Nick Fryer, the editor of Nets Wire, and he also covers the Boston Celtics for WEI in Boston. Nick, what's going on, bro? Not, I, was, you know, I was about to say not much, but a lot's been going on, Kai. You don't need me to tell you that. You had a, as busy a uh, draft night as anybody. Yeah, I am running, guys, on four and a half hours of sleep. I crawled into bed at 4 a.m. I watched some of the uh, the new Spider-Man game on YouTube oh. because, because, you know, I don't have the PS5. So, like, I, I kind of watch these guys play games on YouTube, not going to lie. And I think I fell asleep around 4.30. I got up at 9.00 made myself a bowl of frosted mini wheats. And, uh, mm. you know, I, I went to – and then Tyrese Maxey spoke at 10, Isaiah Joe at 11, and Paul Reed at 1, and now here I am with you. I, I'll tell you, if I'm going with a frosted cereal, I'm probably going with frosted flakes first. I haven't had those in a long time, though. Listen, I've had too much frosted flakes over the past, like, two weeks. Okay. Like, like, like since I moved into the apartment, it's kind of been either that or Honey Nut Cheerios. Mm. So, I was, so I was at the supermarket the other day, and I was like, you know what? I'm going to roll with frosted mini wheats this time. Not that I don't want to keep talking about cereal, but I do – like, I, like my last thing on this, I, the, honey, the difference between regular Cheerios, like original or whatever, versus Honey Nut, yes. huge gap. It's remarkable. Huge gap. Absolutely. If we're talking about cereals there, Honey Nut Cheerios blows it out of the water. But we're not here to talk about cereals, guys. There has been a huge, huge, huge night for the Philadelphia 76ers. Draft night was a huge success for them on paper. Uh, they got rid of Al Horford's contract. They moved him and two future picks to the Oklahoma City Thunder for Danny Green and Terrence Ferguson. Then later in the night, they sent Josh Richardson in the 36th pick to the Dallas Mavericks for Seth Curry. That's a huge night. Mm-hmm. Daryl Morey in the 76ers. And you know what? It kind of reminds everybody that, you know what, Daryl Morey's kind of good at this stuff. Yeah, he is when he's not trying to play cute with small ball and everything like that. Like when you, when you have, but he has, like, he has one of those bigs now in Joel Embiid at his disposal that is such a legit big that you like, it's like, okay, like we don't need to try and get too cute without having a big guy whatsoever. But getting out from under Horford's contract is – I mean, that's as, that's as huge as anything that he's going to do there because it was clearly not a fit. And honestly, Kai, when I saw that, you know, being a guy, you know, being out in Massachusetts, I couldn't help but laugh because I got that didn't last long. You know, it was a four-year deal. You got to go play with the Sixers instead of the Celtics when they want you bad. And, you know, you got Kemba Walker coming in and they're going to just make a run for it again. See you, Al. Go to, go to Oklahoma City. Right, right. So it's, it's like at, at this point, man, Al Horford is a very good basketball player. I'm still going to die on that hill. I think Al Horford can be a good player, but mm-hmm. he didn't fit here. It was, it, it was just like, I'm not really sure what was going through Elton Brand's mind when he let Jimmy Butler walk and then sign Al to a four-year, $109 million deal. Because actually, I talked about this with a few people. You can justify letting Jimmy go. You really can. At the end of the day, you can justify it. The dude's over 30. Uh you know, that there was no guarantee that he was going to play this at this elite level uh, as he did in the bubble for Miami. There was no guarantee he was going to do that in Philadelphia. So you could totally justify that. But all of that goes out the window the minute Horford signs that contract. All of it goes out the window. So it's like, okay, so you let Jimmy go for Al? For mm-hmm. Al? Mm-hmm. And I feel like that's where people kind of got upset. And it's clear all season long, Nick, that Al fit defensively. Sixers are pretty good defensively. Offensively, they were an absolute train wreck because they had no space for Ben and Joel to space the floor. Right. And now they have, they're going to have nothing but space because now you have Danny Green, which like, 
real quick aside, because it's so crazy that Danny Green, like, he gets traded, and then, like, he's kind of there, but he's kind of technically not there. Right. Same with Ricky Rubio, where he got traded. Like, he's not really an OKC, but now they have somehow can trade him before this is all actually okay. I can't, but I also can't believe that, you know, Danny Green goes there, he gets, you know, he gets another ring after winning one with Kawhi, and then it's like he, he has that one shot, and everybody wants to dump on him on social media and No, stuff. it's so terrible. But then the Lakers, then the Lakers basically, it, to me, it looks like, the Lakers are buying into what social media is saying and that Danny Green really can't shoot anymore. So we're going to move on from him. I know Schroeder's the better player, but right. I, th- that's a huge get for, for Philly. And then on top of that, Seth Curry's a nice add too. As much yeah. as I like Richardson. Right. And I mean, Josh Richardson, he's another one. I think Josh Richardson is a very good basketball player. Like at the end of the day, Richardson can do so many different things on the floor. He can shoot a little bit, not a sharp shooter. He's a, he's a capable shooter. And that's not what the Sixers really needed. Mm-hmm. So you have... You move Josh Richardson. You bring in Seth Curry. This dude shot 45% from deep. And the thing is, though, everybody's like, oh, they got the wrong Curry. You got the wrong brother. And it's like, <laughs> really? and it's like, and it's like gee, did you not, do you not realize that Seth can shoot the ball just as well as Steph can? Like, I, I don't understand a lot of fans' mindset, not just Sixers fans, but NBA fans in general. It's just like, they they really just kind of have like this generalization of a player where it's like if they don't know who you are, clearly you suck. Okay, so first off, it was not just Sixers fans; it was general NBA fans that reacted this way. Yeah, it was just it was general NBA fans. It'd be like, okay. huh, you guys got the wrong Curry. It was yeah, it was well, like. I, I think part of the problem is too, Kai. We lose sight of this because we're you know we're adults covering basketball, but I think you know that one of the great things about basketball is that it trends younger. And I think a lot of people that you're dealing with that are chirping about this on social media are the younger fans who just look at one guy and then it's like, that's it. That's what they are. Cause right. Seth Curry's you know, basketball career did not start or sorry, NBA career did not start out nearly as well as his brothers did. And it took a while for him to get going, but obviously he turned into a you know, sharpshooter for sure in Dallas. So, I mean, it's, it's a huge get for the Sixers. I mean, like I, we went from the last time I was on with you, it's like, yeah, Doc Rivers is a good ad. It's you know, great. Whatever. They get right. Daryl Morey and I'm like, all right, let's see how this goes to, Oh, yeah, Daryl's making some pretty freaking good moves. Got to give him that. Right. And then like these, these two moves. And I predicted a while ago, I was like, the minute Daryl walked in the door and signed that contract, I was like, Al's, there's no way Al's going to be on this contract. Oh, uh, excuse me on this roster opening night. Like mm. I, I said it, I was like, there is absolutely zero chance Al Horford is going to be on the Sixers roster opening night. Because when you look back at his, the moves he made with the Houston Rockets, Maury worked quickly all the yep. time. Like, like Daryl was just like always wor- working through a bunch of stuff and he really came into this roster, and I have to give him credit because it wasn't like he took all the credit. He, uh, he gave a lot of praise to Elton Brand. He gave a lot of praise to Peter Dinwiddie and, and Prosper Karangwa and uh, Vince Rosman as well. So it's not like he was out here just, you know, hogging all the glory. And then that's good leadership. Yeah. He, What's he, really great about Maury, though, Nick, real quick, is he really came in here, looked at this roster, looked at his team, and said, okay, guys – how do we improve this roster? And they were like, yeah, we all need some shooting. And I'm, I'm pretty sure Elton probably sheepishly threw his hand up there and said, my bad, guys. <laughs> <laughs> How can you not? Because it's, that's the thing everybody and their mother has been saying about them for – it's just I, – I wonder if Daryl was the one running the show when, uh, when J.J. was still in town and for, for you know, uh, Jimmy Butler for that matter – like, does, do those two guys still stick? And then, you know, Brett Brown moves on a little bit. Which, by the way – I'm not going to take credit for this joke because you're the one that said it to me before the show, but you have the the next Danny Green and the actual Danny Green now on the same team, which I didn't know that was possible. 
Yeah, no, that's crazy, right? Because, you know, Brett Brown, he always compared Shake Milton to Danny Green. And now the next Danny Green and the actual Danny Green are on the same team. That's insane. It's, that's crazy it, to me. It's, it's, I'm, my mind's blown. Also, for the fact that you've been saying that, that it was Bruce Bowen for like half the time that I've known about this joke. Which yeah, no, that was my fault. That was my fault. I thought it was Bowen. And then I looked back and I was like, oh, shit. It was actually Danny Green. <laughs> <laughs> Making a joke for half the time and only you and I were getting it. But, um, yeah, looked, looked a little bit stupid. But anyways, yeah, I think that – I think the thing that helps Maury so much is, you know, first of all, is having him beat because him trying to do that stupid small ball shit that he was doing in Houston, it just, it wasn't going to work. And that's why now every, it's blowing up down there because they just, they don't have that person who's that stabilizing force that as much as I didn't agree with what he did was convinced that it was going to work. Now he has him beat in Philadelphia where obviously you're not going to move on from Joel Embiid. That'd be stupid. Ben Simmons right. is another thing, but if you're picking, like that's the guy you're building around as Embiid. Now you've got to get shooters around him and it's booming. Daryl knows how to get shooters. And he right. had, he always knows the stats and has the analytics people around him that make that he's going to put together a good trade. I, I, I don't like this because I'm always, I always like to pick on Daryl Moore because what he did with Houston and what he said about James Harden being better than Michael Jordan or whatever. Right. But, like he does I, Outside of that, like he does make good decisions. He's not, he's obviously not a bad, he's not bad at his job, clearly. Here, listen, at the end of the day, Daryl Morey was always been, has always been a successful GM. I mean, if you really look back at his time with the Houston Rockets, and it's, it's not like he always went small. Yeah. I mean, remember he had Yao Ming, right? Like, like, like at the, in the beginning, and then he had Dwight Howard, and mm. they, they made the Western Conference finals there in 2015, too. And, and then after that, he had Clint Capella. And then he kind of looked at the Lakers and he was like, hmm, you know, even with Clint, I don't know if we can outmuscle them or anything. So we're going to try to make them play at our pace. Mm -hmm. And he went out, he traded for Robert Covington. He stuck him at center and they went ultra small. And unfortunately, it didn't work. So now he's coming to Philadelphia. And, and again, everybody was like, oh, he's going to make them the small ball team. And it's like, no, no, no. Like, listen, the. Daryl Morey's dealt with big men. Like, it's not like he's never had a big man in his life. And you know what? During Morey's introductory press conference, he actually said um, he got this question a lot in Houston. And I guess a, somebody asked him in Houston, if you had Shaq, what would you do? And he was like, I'm giving Shaq the ball a hundred fucking times and telling everybody to get out of the way. Like, th that's just the roster that I have. Mm -hmm. With Houston, With Houston, I just tried to build around James Harden. He, and he just kind of felt like that was the best way to do it. Yeah, I part of the reason why I've made fun of him for what he did in Houston so much is because like, a again how like I know James Harden is you know he's an elite player all NBA like seven or eight times whatever the heck it is but the way like he talked about him versus Michael Jordan to me is just is as asinine as I it get gets. it so so there was that and then you're going with the small ball which I understand why some teams are doing it because you know three pointer is so important now and, and so many guys are shooting it better than they ever have before than players have in the, the game's history. I just thought he was going in that direction regardless of what he has because Capella was obviously was a good big man. But clearly, like, it's, that's not, he's not set to just doing that one way, which I, I have a lot more respect for him knowing that he's not going to just – like he's not just going to go with the times and the trends. Like there are times where you make exceptions to the rule, and Joel Embiid is a guy who you do that with. Now it's just a matter of what, does his, what is Joel Embiid's direction going for? Are they going to try and get him to be – you know, have an approach more like Shaq where it's just in the paint and bully everybody as much as you can, or do they want him to continue to stretch the floor too? That's something, given what Maury's putting together now, adding Green, adding Seth Curry, I'm curious, like, what are the other adjustments that they're going to be making philosophically? You know what? I think it's going to go back to what we saw during the JJ days. I, I think we'll see a lot of Seth Curry coming off screens. I think Seth starts, like, unless Danny Green kind of, like, 
proves himself in, in camp or in preseason or anything like that. But if I had to put money on it, I would probably start Seth because of the fact that, A, he's younger, and, and B, he can really shoot mm-hmm. the hell out of the ball. But Green's probably the better defender, and I know Doc Rivers really wants to focus on defense and transition and things like that. So, I mean, it could be Green. But I personally would start Curry. But I really do believe we're going to see uh, just the Sixers from the, from the previous years. Now, I don't know if you remember, Nick, but that's, that lineup of Simmons, Redick, Butler, Harrison, and Bede, statistically, was the number one starting five in the NBA. I, that does ring a bell. That does ring a bell. Okay. So, and the reason why is because they had spacing, and they let Ben and Joe go to work. Mm. And it's going to be the same thing this upcoming season. I, you know, Kai, I mean, I've, I know coming out of the postseason, seriously, like, I, I know I said it already, it's like I did not take the Sixers seriously looking ahead to next year. Right. I know Danny Green is not like this, you know, superstar shooter and, and Seth Curry as much as he's like when I say, I'm oh, sorry, they're not the superstar players. These two, obviously they're good shooters. Very right, good shooters. right, right, right. But you add these two guys, which is what the Sixers have needed. Now I look at this team much, much differently. Like I, right now for me, it has been Milwaukee who still is tough now because they're adding holiday and they're going to be adding Bogdanovich. Um, well, and- did you see that? No, I thought it was they're adding Bogdanovich, but it's not necessarily going to be a sign in trade. I've read that he doesn't want to go to Milwaukee. Oh, was that the latest thing? I, I, oh. I, saw, that, I, I saw that the other day. Like, either like way, Milwaukee, Milwaukee's still tough either way. Yeah, adding Drew Holiday is yeah. a huge one for them. And then obviously Brooklyn, with or without James Harden, the Nets are going to be a tough team too. Adding Shim, it was, was big for them. But now it's like the you – know, and then it's the Celtics. And then, of course, you got to continue to respect the Raptors. But the Sixers, like it's, it is – I mean, the Pacers, not so much. Am I missing somebody else? I feel like it's like legit five teams right now. Did you mention Miami? Oh, the Heat. The Heat. Jeez, that's what I was. Yeah, that's what I was forgetting. So was hey, the, man, so was, they made the NBA Finals. It the, might have been the bubble finals, but they made no, it. That was a total brain fart on my part. The, like legit six teams, and then and the the Pacers could create a fit for somebody in the first round. Like that. That the yeah, East is tough. Yeah. It, the, the, like, people are going to continue to shit on the the Eastern Conference. Like what? Like I saw Jalen Rose said, "Oh, if the if the Nets go and get James Harden, the Nets are um are, are legit contenders for the final only because they're in the East." First of all, they're already they're already contenders. Second, right. they would be they would be a really good team in the Western Conference. So I don't care what anybody says. There are teams that right. in the East. That, come on, get out of here with that. The, the disrespect for the East is absurd. And right. the Sixers are. I mean, the Sixers are now going to be as much a force as they've been in recent years. I think. And and right and and this is what I'm saying is like people seem to forget how good Joel and Ben were when there were shooters around them. Mm-hmm. Like if you if you go back and look at 2017, 18, and 2018, 19. Their offensive ratings were up around 116, 115, 117, somewhere in that range. Really good offensive ratings. It dropped to 103 this year for 2019-20. And it's really quite simple. You took away Reddick and Butler and replaced them with Richardson and Horford. I mean, it's just... And, and then, right. So, so this is why, like, you have to kind of look at Elton Brand and you were like, dude... <laughs> What were you thinking? Like, you, you need shooting around them. You need to have the shooters. And then not only, not only did they add Curry and Green Nick, they got Isaiah Joe, 49th overall in the draft. And this kid Joe is, like, one hell of a shooter. Yeah, yeah. You got, they got a couple of good guys out of the draft. They got Maxi too, right? And that's, I mean, that, he slipped big time. Honestly, they got three guys I didn't think that they would get at their draft position. I didn't think Tyrese Maxi would be there at 21. I certainly didn't think Joe would be there at 49. And I really didn't think Paul Reed was going to be there at 58 either. That's another one. See, okay, yeah, at 58, I thought Paul Reed was going to go late because he was projected late quite a bit. But uh, And Bay is the, other, is the fourth one that they got, right? They got him from – was it Dallas? 
Well, no, they sent Bay to Dallas in the Richardson deal. That's what it was. Okay. Oh, because he was 36. That's what it was. Okay, got it, got it, got it. Okay, all right. Yeah, no, I mean, that's, that's, that's a, solid, it's a solid, uh, solid group right there. A quick aside, and I, cause I think you shared this on your site, on uh, Sixers Wire. I know I shared it on Nets Wire. We did a NBA Wire uh, roundtable mock draft with all the editors uh, yes, of the did. sites and everything. And, you know, we had our own teams that we had to worry about, but we had to pick some other ones. I took the Knicks because – you know, New York team, I got to worry about that as well. And then you handled the Pistons because you, for some reason, stopped care about them. And then anybody else was just Pistons and Sixers? The Detroit Pistons were my team as a kid, all right? I love Blake Griffin. He's all they have. He's all they have. So yeah, all I took was Pistons and Sixers. Yeah, that's all I took. Well, you and I, so you and I had the, was it 7-8 pick? Yeah, 7-8 pick, and we both got it right. Yeah, I had Killian Hayes going 7 to Detroit. You had Obi Topin going 8 to New York. Yep. And I got all of my Sixers picks wrong. Did you? Uh, yeah, all of them. Because at 21, I had Terrell Terry. Because I didn't think Maxi was going to be there at 21. And I think Maxi went early in our NBA Wire roundtable mock draft. I thought, he went, I thought he went early in our mock draft. I was surprised at how high he went. Was he in the lottery in our mock, mock draft? I'm not sure off the top of my head. But Daryl Morey, Morey, after the draft, pretty much raved and said, yeah, Tyrese Maxey is a lottery talent. And we got him at 21. And I think it's because, Nick, because Maxi shot 29.8% from deep, I think, mm. with, with Kentucky. And that kind of, I feel like that kind of scared some people off because, you know, you need shooting. But Maury kind of was like, people always so, seem to focus so much on weaknesses of a player, when in reality, if you can focus on his strengths, I mean, Tyrese Maxi brings so much to the table. He, he's a great defender. He's athletic. Um, and then also in terms of his shooting, I guess the team ran some analytics on his, on the way he shoots the ball, the way his mechanics come out that they believe that he can really become like an actual legitimate shooter at the NBA level, despite the low percentage in college. And then when Matt, when, then when Maxi was introduced, he said that he's in the gym at 6am, which I mean, hell, he's got to be there at 3am if he wants to beat Jimmy Butler, you know what I'm saying? (laughs) He's got to be be in the gym three hours earlier, you know, he can't be there at six, he's got to be there at 3am. Right. But he said he, he's in there at 6 a.m. and he puts up 750 to 800 jump shots between 6 a.m. to 8 a.m. Then he says wow. he goes to go lift. And then after he gets done lifting, he comes back to the gym at 10 and puts up another 650 to 800 jump shots. Yeah, so he's got the work ethic. Now he just needs to be – if he's not already improving, then he just needs someone to, you know, nudge him and adjust him in the right direction, and then he's all set. That's, exactly. I mean, the, the, the big thing is, like, you're get, like you said, you're getting a lottery talent guy that late in the draft – you already have like you're, you're. I mean, I know it's still the first round, but you're dealing in the mid twenties, even early twenties. You just ah, what are you expecting to get? Like the Pistons got a steal in Sadiq Bay, I think, at number nineteen after the trade. I think they did, yeah. But like you don't, you you know, in that mid, you know, in the twenties range, like yeah, it's a guy who could work out, but eh, maybe not. I don't know. And I think that you guys, they, I think the Sixers ended up doing very well for themselves all around on the draft. I mean, just everything what we already talked about, but the picks that they made too. Um, one of the better draft nights. And your, your, uh, your Pistons, they did pretty well, too. I thought Detroit did solid. I, I, I'm going to die on that hill, too. I thought Detroit did, had a solid, solid draft between Killian Hayes at 7, Isaiah Stewart at 16, Sadiq Bey, you just mentioned, at 19. Troy Weaver is definitely being very active so far with the Pistons. And then he just traded for Dwayne Dedman. He sent away Tony Snell. Yeah. So, so, yeah. Like, so th- th- there's a lot the Pistons are doing. But, I mean, Philadelphia as a whole, man, I thought draft night was an absolute success. And I think Maury probably deserves an A plus like, like for the work that like he 
kind of put together. Like yeah, it, so. it, was, it was a perfect night. Yeah, I I, th- I don't think they could have done I don't think they could have done any better unless they, they right would, unless I don't know if you want to see if you wanted to see James Harden in a Sixers uniform, but that would be the only way is if I guess if that happened is if they traded if they traded for him, which obviously would cost Simmons. I don't know what you prefer. Evan well, Ashton, I, I feel like at that point um, I would give up Simmons for Harden, but at the same time it would be really really hard for me to do so just because of how highly I think of Simmons. Mm. But we're also talking about James Harden, who is the best scorer in the game. The dude gets a 60-point triple-double in his sleep. He's a 2018 MVP. The, dude's, the dude gets buckets like, while, while he's sleeping. So, like, like, there is a lot that James Harden can do on the floor. So, at that point, it's kind of like, do you give up Simmons for Harden? Maybe. But Philadelphia really does believe that Simmons and Embiid can win a championship together. So, I get it. I understand it. And that's why I don't think Harden comes here. And I said that from the beginning. I think, you know, he'll end up in, in Brooklyn. I think he's going to stay in Houston. I don't think the Nets are going to get him. I don't think I, – I question – I do question part – like, I get Kyrie and KD may want him, but does Steve Nash necessarily want him? Does Sean Marks necessarily want him? And at the end of it all, like, I get, like, how good James Harden is and all that stuff. I'm not a big James Harden guy. Like, for, for, I just Which is don't, crazy to me. I don't enjoy watching him play, Kai. Like, do you want to just watch a guy just stand there and dribble, 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 dribble? I mean, does that get annoying when I keep talking about it? Because that's how I feel when I freaking watch it. All, all, I'm, all I'm saying is he's going to lull you to sleep, hit you with that step-back jumper in your eye and give you a bucket, and then, you know. Well, Kyrie's going to do that in half the time. That's my point. Like, Kyrie, for all the stuff time. people want to say, yeah, for all the stuff that people say about Kyrie, like, he's going to get it done a lot quicker, at least. Like, it's more – I just find him – I know James Harden is an extremely efficient player, but when it comes to, like, time, it's like he just doesn't – there's no efficiency there in that level. Like, this doesn't matter if he scores, but I want to enjoy watching players play, personally. It, is Harden a top-five player to you? Um, I, uh, who's my top five players? I mean, KD, it's KD, Kawhi, LeBron. Um, I'm like, I got, I forgot the heat before on my list of Eastern conference teams. I'm going to forget other people for this too. So I, I can't, I can't, I, I don't want to, my gut, I want to say no, but he's obviously top 10, but oh, Giannis to see, I, I freaking forgot Giannis. So that's four right there. I have ahead of, of Harden. So now, at now, best, let's, let's see, I have those four plus Harden. Like I even put Harden ahead of Anthony Davis. Uh, AD's. I don't know, man. AD is like he's a freaking beast. I get that, but I mean, James Harden is a bucket. He 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 is a walking. I, I just I, bucket. I don't want to see him in a Brooklyn uniform. I'm gonna lose my mind. Like I I'll have plenty to write about. Don't get me wrong, but I don't want to see that because just the yes you do. Oh uh, no, I don't. Yes no, you I do. Don't. No, I, I don't. I also want you know I want our guy Ben to have something to write about for Rockets Wire too. Oh yeah, that's true. Shout out to Ben. <laughs> shout out to Ben DeBose. I mean, because yeah. if he loses Russell Westbrook and James Harden and he, they just moved away Robert Covington. They just traded away Trevor Ariza. He's got to, he's going to have to actually write about rookies for once, Nick. Yeah, he is. He's in his thing. They're like at the end of it, he's they're. I don't think they're going to get rid of him. They're going to keep him. And, yeah. and, and I don't think he's going to go to Brooklyn because they want a haul. And what is the, what do the Nets have? To, like, seriously, Karis LeVert is a good player. He's at best a third star on a team in the league, right. in my opinion. Right. Spencer Dinwiddie is a uh, is a very solid, is a very good player. Six man, you know, award uh, award uh, could win that award if he's coming off the bench. If not, he is a, he's a good starting point guard in the league. Obviously, not a star. Maybe, maybe get an all star once. Jared Allen has a lot of upside at twenty two. Sure, but then like. After that, what are you giving him? Like, what are you, what are you giving him for young guys? Like, Nick Claxton? Oh, you don't know what he is yet. You got him in the second round last year, I think. Yeah, second round. So, it's just – Bruce I, Brown. I, yeah, yeah, you know. Yeah, you, you, know how you, 
So that, like that's my point. Is I don't I don't, like they would they have to want more than than that in return for Harden. I would think. Well, I mean, especially with the way the Bucks has gave up three draft picks for Drew Holiday and then yeah. plus two pick swaps. Yeah, that one was. I, I mean, that one's a good move by the Bucks. It was out of nowhere. I thought the Nets. I I thought the Nets were going to get Drew Holiday because then adding Karis Levert and Spencer Dinwiddie, or just Karis Levert and like Jared Allen to what they have in um, in New Orleans. That's a, that's very different because now it's Zion with them, and now it's okay. Now we're talking. That that you know what like that's fair, and I, I thought I thought Brooklyn would have ended up with uh, Drew Holiday as well. I do believe that the Nets will make some type of move though. In terms of the Sixers though, like from moving forward, I think they're kind of done, except for like a minor free agent move here and there. Mm. Like okay, Should be. free agency obviously begins Friday, uh, six o'clock p.m. Eastern time. Yep, and. There is a lot – there's going to be a lot of eyes on the Sixers and what Daryl Morey will do next. I get it. But even with the little, quote-unquote, flexibility they just created, they still only have, like, $6 million to spend in free agency. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. And, and, you know, and, you know, initially I was thinking DJ Augustine or Jeff Teague or, you know, Langston Galloway. But now that they just traded for Curry and, and Green, now I'm thinking more of big men. Because at this point, the only backup big man you have is Paul Reed. And they believe in Paul Reed. Daryl Morey kind of said Paul Reed was supremely underrated, the fact that he slid to us all the way to 58. But at this point, you need a backup big man. That way you don't completely fall apart when Joel Embiid goes off the floor. You kind of mess it up with Kyle O'Quinn, who O'Quinn is a good player, but he he didn't live up to their expectations. You let O'Quinn walk in free agency. And let's just say you go after a guy like Nerlens Noel. Would you bring him back? Oh, ooh, I am a big Nerlens Noel guy. I felt that he would have been a really good fit for the Celtics because he gets, you know, comps to – it's like like people say Robert Williams is like that's – if Nerlens Noel – if Robert Williams can turn into Nerlens Noel, that'd be Robert, a great fit. I think – Robert Williams. I don't understand it. Like they, People love the Time Lord. He's a good he's, dude, too. Like, that's why he's I like not him. good. <laughs> He's not he, good. He has I mean, he hasn't lived up to. I mean, wait, wait. He in the bubble, he he had his moments. Like that was the best I've ever seen Rob Williams. He oh. missed. <laughs> the point is that Nerlens Noel is a guy who I think is very good. I I think he he can be a valuable asset on pretty much every single team off the bench. I mean, obviously there's a huge drop off from Joel Embiid to right, Nerlens Noel, right. but, but I like that. I like him. I pretty much like him. Adding him to any team. Kind of like unless it was like the six, the, the, sorry, the Lakers with if, you know, if they had Dwight Howard and J- JaVale McGee and Anthony right. Davis, like then it's like you don't need him. But for the right. most part, I like him on any team. Yeah, for the most part, he's he's really just a really solid weak side shot blocker. He's a guy who can you know he's athletic on the defensive end. Honestly, he made such a huge difference for the Thunder off their bench, like like mm. as a defender. You just imagine what he can do in Philadelphia if he was in a lineup with like Simmons and Matisse Thybulle. And mm-hmm. hell, even Danny Green, who's a, still a solid defender at, at his age. Good finisher at the rim, solid pick and roll guy too. I like all that. Yeah, him. solid pick and roll guy. You just kind of throw up a lob to him. He'll catch it and throw it down. Like, 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 yeah, like that's New Orleans game. And you could probably get him cheap, especially if he's going to go searching for a title. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is he, he's, so he's still in OKC or is he a free agent now? He's a free agent. He's a free agent. Yeah. He's yeah. I just wonder, like we, I think I'm willing to bet that 
we're thinking like everybody else where like he's he'd be a good fit for almost any team to add right so the question is like is that the Sixers gonna be able to go and get him or somebody else gonna come in with a little more money you know what another guy I meant I, I was just randomly thinking of is Mason Plumley. I I mean he's he's fine like I just never, right. I'm, I've never been a big I, I like like to me it's like you go from Nerlens Noel or for talking backups like like right. Nerlens Noel is way up there in my opinion right Plumley's like middle okay fine I guess right, right. <laughs> I, I maybe that's all you can right. get it's, it's a it's a solid like it's a solid one to get he's he's a solid player to get I'm talking like he's an object but I just he doesn't do the same thing for me as Nerlens Noel does so I would be significantly less hyped about it if I was a Sixers fan no. I'm, of course not. I mean, you, you definitely take Noel over Plumley, like, you know, and any day of the week and twice on twice on Sunday. But it's a solid second option. I'll give you that. Yeah. So let, let's just say, like, if you can't get Noel, let's just say you just can't afford him or he just decides to go another direction. Yeah, Plumley. And another guy I really like is Jamichael Green. Okay. Hmm. okay. He's a guy, he, he's a big stretch the floor. He's not a shot blocker, but he's like a real solid positional yeah. defender. Uh, yeah, that that's yeah. The 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 stretch on the floor doesn't do much for me. You know, if we're talking about a guy who's trying to replace Joel Embiid because I don't need somebody else like another big when Embiid's hurt trying to stretch the floor and like, I don't I don't I really do wonder what Embiid's gonna be doing going forward with his game. Like, is he gonna continue trying to stretch it as much or is he gonna you know try and post up a little more or pick and roll whatever it is? Listen, I believe I believe it's gonna be the same thing as we've always seen. He's gonna shoot maybe two three pointers a game. He'll spend the majority of the game in the low block, uh, especially because, listen, even against Boston in, in the playoffs uh, this year, he averaged 30 and 12, mm-hmm. ma- ma- mainly because all he did was feast down on the low block. The Celtics won and swept Philadelphia in that series because the Celtics had Kemba Walker, Jason Tatum, and Jalen Brown, and the Sixers were relying on Tobias Harris, who shot two for 15 from deep. So in the series so and sad. and Furkan Korkmaz also missed all of his three pointers in that series he shot 0 for 9 from deep in the series and then you're relying on a rookie Matisse Thibel trying to defend a star in Tatum and Jalen Brown as well so we came into that series when you came on to five out and you said that Tobias Harris was one of the five best players in the series left out I think Hayward and obviously Hayward, you know, got hurt and everything. But God, for Tobias Harris to go and put out a stinker of a series like that, ooh. Harris was—he absolutely struggled. He—he was—I just—I don't understand like how he missed all the wide open looks he he had because Harris is a good shooter. And, and then also, I guess I'll just kind of end it off with this: uh, Tobias Harris had the best numbers of his career under Doc with the Clippers. Mm. I mean, and also while he was playing at the power forward spot, Tobias Harris is a power forward. He can play small forward, but Tobias Harris is a power forward. With Al gone now, slide him back to his natural position, and I guarantee we will see a much better, more efficient Tobias Harris moving forward. So I'm looking forward to, uh, you know, this new look Sixers team. I do believe that there's going to be a lot of excitement around this team this year. Yeah, I think there's there's a lot of reason to have excitement around this team. Like for for as much as I I'd make fun of uh, you know I, I I guess question Ben Simmons and his ability to win and you know all that stuff. Right. I think Daryl Morey has set an, uh, an impressive tone for this team with the moves that he has made. Now it's up to Doc, and then I would say it, it would say it's up to Doc to get Joel moving in the right direction, and then it's up to him to kind of be that voice and that you know example and maybe grow up a little bit because that's, he's the guy that you need you know steering the ship. 
Nah, but without a doubt, hundred percent agree. So, Nick, final thoughts, man. I think that the Eastern Conference. I think I think this the off season has been absolutely nuts. Like the the, the, sorry, the trade the trade season has been absolutely nuts. Started on Sunday with Harden rumors. You and I are both like, wait, what? The Sixers, right. Nets, what? What's going on? Huh? Right, James Harden. Right, right. So. All of that, Chris Paul gets moved. Ricky Rubio is like not as big a deal, obviously, but Danny Green, Schroeder gets moved. Like, what the hell's going on? So, um, so I yeah, it's, it. it's it's crazy. This is like, like last. Okay, I'm trying to remember. Like last year was crazy, but oh no, yeah, last offseason was 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 the one where Durant and Kyrie went to, uh, yeah, and Paul George. It feels like it was two years ago. Honestly, it feels, like it, was, it feels like it was such a long time ago, right? Such a long time ago. Yeah, days feel so much longer. Like sometimes it's not a bad thing, but sometimes it's like, wait a minute. Yeah. <laughs> right. Oh my god, I was thinking. I was thinking. Honestly, I was thinking. Uh, yep. Honestly, Kai, I'm glad free agency is going to get rolling. We can get that, get it done, because this, all this stuff, I'm losing track of days of the week. That's the problem with all this. I, I, honestly, I've been trying to keep track of days of the week, just like trying to look at my phone every day, be like, okay, today's Monday. And then I wake up and I'll be like, okay, today's Tuesday. And I was going to keep kind of go that way. Like, I've done that. I've definitely done that. I'm like working. like, wait a second. It's, yeah, it's, no, it's not Friday. Okay, it's not. Nope, it's not Tuesday. All right, we're fine. But back to the Sixers stuff, I think fans are, I'm sure, I know Sixers fans are the toughest fans in sports, and I don't mean that in a good are. way. But I, I think Sorry, that they Anna should, Horford. Uh, well, I mean. We apologize. They, <laughs> um. I, but I, I, fans that say stupid stuff all the time. Like, I, I don't know what, like, I've, I knew going into it that like, Philly fans are not going to like her. No. Shock of the century. No. So, like, it's just that, that is what happens when you're dealing with fans who just don't care and don't see, like, the athletes and their families as people. Like, that is how it works. Okay. It's just, they that don't. is how, they also don't see us as people either. Like, the yeah, writers, like, it's, it's just, that's how it is. Accept it and move on because who, like, why do you sleep at the end of the night? I, I, Anyways, I think that the six, Sixers fans should be satisfied with what, what Daryl Morey has done. I think they're in a good position uh, to contend for the Eastern Conference Finals, and, and then, you know, who knows what happens from there. It's going gonna, it's gonna to be extremely, extremely interesting. I still think they need probably, like, a, a, another piece or two, you know, like, like he, to really truly contend in the Eastern Conference, but this is definitely a good step in the right direction. Listen, he is Nick Fryer. Make sure you guys follow him on Twitter at Nick underscore Fryer. He helps us out with the Brooklyn Nets covering our uh, – being the editor of our Nets Wire site. He also covers the Boston Celtics for WEI. And he's also my somewhat co-host on, on this podcast, like like every couple I'm of – I'm always at the right. I'm your utility guy. I'm your Ben Zobris. Yeah, you know, I like that. I like that. You're my Ben Zobris. I can rock with that. So, I'm ending this podcast off by saying that Twix is a bad candy bar. Twix is a bad. Oh, wait, wait, time out, time out. I saw somebody else that ate Kit Kat like you do. I swear to God, I'm no. not kidding. I was, in it, I was like, no, it's not just Kai. Yes, the oh yes. God. There's no right or wrong way to eat a candy bar. Oh it God. all goes in the same place. You know what? I quit. I'm not. I quit being your Ben's over. Sometimes I, I don't break my Kit Kat bars. I just eat them whole because it goes in the same place. And with that, we're out. We'll see you guys next time on the Bell Ringer. Bell Ringer.